checking on his stick. Chicken on a Stick. Welcome to another episode of Chicken on a Stick. Welcome, welcome. This week we're talking about uh, a film that I picked. Again, we alternate every single week, but this is one of my, one of the films that I just absolutely love. Right. Um, And that's 2007's Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barbarous Fleet Street, starring Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. Which is on Broadway. Currently. That's part of the reason f- for picking it is I, mm-hmm. I already knew I wanted to do this because I love it so much, but right. because of its recent revival on Broadway, yes. um, I figured now's yeah. as good a time as any. And when we when we were first talking, like even before we started dating, I think that you had mentioned that you loved the movie so much, and I said that I had never seen it, and so when we were living in different places at the time, I think one night we... I think we like virtually watched it at the same time or something like that. I don't remember. But um but I do I, I remember thinking when after I watched it, how come I haven't watched this sooner? Because I loved it. It was a inter- interesting. But I do love Tim Burton movies and I love Johnny Depp and I was surprised at how good it was. And we'll get into more of that in a second. Best. All right. You, sir, how about a shame? Come and visit your good friend, Sweeney. You, sir, too, sir. Welcome to the grave. I will have vengeance. I will have salvation. Who, sir? You, sir? No one's in the chair. Come on, come on. Sweeney's waiting. I want you, bleeders. You, sir! Gentlemen, I don't be shy. Okay, so Sweeney Todd, um, as I said, I absolutely love this. And just to kind of give a little bit of history on it, I don't know exactly when my first sort of experience with the story of Sweeney Todd was. Because it's one of two things. It's it's maybe even like a threefold sort of situation, which is um, I'd obviously already known Tim Burton, Okay. Uh, for a long time, Nightmare Before Christmas was, like, my favorite movie of all time, period. Um, and obviously he doesn't direct it or anything, but it was his brainchild and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And then I liked some of his other works that he has done before this, like um, Corpse Bride. You know, he did Edward Scissorhands before this, although I hadn't seen that till many years later. Um, every, whatever. All of Tim Burton's stuff. I just like the you, style, all that story. You thing. do, to this day, still, every year, either for either Christmas or your birthday, do receive Nightmare Before Christmas memorabilia from your family. (laughs) That is true. Um, But, so, somewhere in, I'm going to say 2006, give or take, uh, YouTube definitely had to have existed at the time, so it's 2006 or maybe early 2007, um, a couple things happened. One, obviously promotion for the movie starts to come out. I I do very distinctly remember being at a movie theater and one of those big cardboard cutouts was 
I want to say, like, the barber chair and, yeah. like, blood splattered all over the place or something. It said Sweeney Todd and it was, like, from Tim Burton or something. And I was like, what is that? I want to know more about that thing. Yeah. Um, so I looked it up, found out it was based on a play, looked up a play, found the 1982 filmed version of the first national U.S. tour. Oh, wow. Which was technically the, like, third time it had been put on, um, which... We'll get more into the history of the actual Sweeney Todd stuff, but specifically, this one was um, Stephen Sondheim's Sweeney Todd musical Broadway play, but it was the... Angela Lansbury was in it, uh, George Hearn was in it, um, and that's the first time I'd ever watched it, like, fully, and I yeah. was, like, instantly fell in love. But, I... Again, this is why I'm not quite sure of the timeline 100%, because I remember... We haven't talked about Kevin Smith on this at any point yet, I don't think. But um, Kevin Smith has a movie from 2004 called Jersey Girl, Mm -hmm. starring Ben Affleck, um, George Carlin's in it. In that, his daughter takes part in a play of Sweeney Todd. And there's scenes from that of them doing Sweeney Todd. And I can't remember if I'd seen that first, so I did sort of know of Sweeney Todd a little bit. And then I saw the advertisements, which brought me to the play. Or if it was, like, the reverse of I saw that stuff. And then because I was, like, so obsessed with it, I looked into it. And I was like, wait, there's something about it in Jersey Girl? And then rewatched Jersey Girl. And I was like, oh, That's shit, cute. there is. Did Jersey, was Jersey Girl the one that had J-Lo in it? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. That's really funny. I would love to see kids do Sweeney Todd. Yeah. That sounds hilarious. Um, so, to get to it sort of before we actually start talking about the movie, because Sweeney Todd as a story has a very long history and is sort of complicated. In that Sweeney Todd as we know it now, which is, the movie is based on the Stephen Sondheim musical, Broadway musical, which came about in 1979, which was Mm -hmm. when he originally put it on. That was based on a 1970 play that he saw over in London. Somewhere. Oh, interesting. Um, he, he, the way he told it is he was out uh, on town and he wanted to go see a certain play that was being put on at this, uh, at like this little pub. He thought it was something else and he went to it and it wasn't that. It was a version of Sweeney Todd and he was just so into it that he thought this would make an excellent musical and then made the musical. That is so fascinating. Um, the, the play itself of Sweeney Todd goes back a very long time. I had no idea. Sweeney Todd originally comes from a series of serialized stories that were printed way back in England in, 18, in the 1840s, um, widely known as Penny Dreadfuls. The first story appearance of Sweeney Todd is from 1946 story called The The String of Pearls, A Domestic Romance. Hmm. And it's not 100% the same story, but a lot of the same story elements of he's a barber, Mm -hmm. he kills people, there's a revolving chair that drops their bodies, his downstairs neighbor 
cuts out those bodies, puts them into meat pies. And then there's a sailor and a young girl trying to escape and all, all that sort of stuff. So all of the elements are there, but the story itself is slightly different in that he's not out for revenge. They just kill rich people to take their shit. Interesting. Um, yeah, and this, I, I had no idea that it had such a backstory. I mean, it goes even further back from that. It was actually so popular that before it was finished being published, because it took over a year to publish like the full story, mm-hmm. they actually, there was a play made of it before the finale was even done. Really? Um, so it was already super popular. It had tons of plays and stuff done from it since that time. And then, um, just sort of coincidentally, as that's being popular uh, popularized, um, again, in London at that time in the late, well, I guess 1846 isn't exactly the late yeah. 1800s, but like the middle of the 1800s, um, it goes on to be this play that gets popular, popular and popular, and there's a bunch of different adaptations of it and all this sort of stuff. Towards the end of, you know, like 30 years later or so, this there's a very famous set of murders that takes place in ah, yes. Whitechapel, London right. with Jack the Ripper, which right. kind of helps the way that they tell in this little like behind the scenes thing is it sort of helped re- revitalize interest in mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd because there was the Sweeney Todd was already a story with the other Penny Dreadfuls and, and uh, I want to say they call them like uh, Penny Bloodies or something, which mm-hmm. was like slightly more violent ones are all these, like, violent, horrible acts of things that are happening, and then all of a sudden, there's a real-life one that's happening that has no face to, like, pinpoint with Jack the Ripper, because we don't know who Jack the Ripper was. Right. I did one million percent before watching Sweeney Todd think that it was... Sweeney Todd was Jack the Ripper. (laughs) No. Um, It's very interesting that there's some history... There was a period of time, and I remember when I first got into this, there's this weird thing where some people think that Sweeney Todd is based on a real person, Mm -hmm. and there are historical accounts of potentially there having been a person who was a barber who killed people in, like, France or something. Um, There's no specific Sweeney Todd. There's no specific person on Fleet Street who did these things or whatever. But there were, in during the 19th century, uh, there was a semi-common trade that was called a barber-surgeon, where people were both barbers and surgeons. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then eventually, in, uh, basically they were illiterate surgeons, so they weren't exactly great at their jobs. And eventually that got outlawed by King George II in, the, in 1745. <laughs> but that's, that you know, that's 100 years before the story actually happens but the story original story is supposed to take place in like the late 1780s or something mid 1780s so there's a lot of like craziness that goes on and if you like really dive deep into the history of Sweeney Todd and like even um off the blu-ray the the special features they're talking to like historians and stuff who are like there could have been a person, but mm-hmm. there's no actual evidence that there was a person, so whatever. Um, I think if I met someone and asked what they did for a living, and they were like, oh, I've got two jobs. Um, I'm a part-time barber and a part-time surgeon. I don't know if I would trust you to do either one of those jobs. 
I don't like that mix. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That's very uh, on the opposite ends of the spectrum. So now to get towards the movie. Yes. First off, I do suggest um, the 1982 version of Sweeney Todd with Angela Lansbury and uh, George Hearn. Um, if you can find a full version of it, I think it's worth watching. Angela Lansbury is in the teapot from Beauty yes. and the Beast. Yeah. She, she plays Helena Bottom Carter's character? She is the original Miss Lovitz on yeah. in the musical, yes. That's... She played it in the original in the 1979 version, and then again in the first national tour she came back for it. How but the, cool. the original, uh, George Hearn was the third person to do Sweeney Todd, musical-wise. There's obviously been tons of Sweeney Todd's. There was even a guy who, there's a 1936 film of Sweeney Todd mm -hmm. with the actor who uh, is in it playing Sweeney Todd, played Sweeney Todd like more times than anybody in history because oh, wow. he literally played it from when he was like 30 into like his 80s or some crazy so shit cool. like that. That one I don't know too much about, but now that I, if, if it's out there somewhere, I do want to watch it, but I know that that's more based on, like, the original story and play, not necessarily the musical, how the musical is, because they're definitely two separate things. Well, now I'm interested. I want to see Angela Lansbury play a character she's that's, great. Like, a, like, a badass. Oh, she's great. Because I only think of her as, like, sweet, doting little, you know. Yeah. Um, she's fantastic, though. So... The story goes that 20 years or so before 2007, which is when the movie came out, Tim Burton had seen the Broadway show, or, or seen an, uh, the West End show, somewhere in London. He had saw the show, and he had met Stephen Sondheim at that point, and said that he was a big fan. Helen Bottom Carter says that Tim Burton was not a musical person, so it's interesting that he went and saw a musical uh, and apparently loved it. Kind of interesting little that thing interesting. there. Um, and Sondheim said, according to himself, in these behind the scenes, he's not been a fan of any of the musical adaptations that he had of his works beforehand. Hmm. Um... But with this one, he got a lot more say as far as, like, the casting. Mm -hmm. He got sort of final say in the casting, or at least part in the casting to some degree. Uh, and he seems like he liked that instead of being a direct adaptation where they're just moving a Broadway musical or stage musical to screen, instead... Uh, Tim Burton went about this by making it a movie, right. but about the story that right. he made with the songs. And a lot of the stuff that they did to change it from seeming more like stage musical um, is they cut out all of the chorus bits, mm -hmm. and they cut out any like random secondary character who was not relevant to the story singing. Um, Interesting. Because that's what Tim Burton says, is that he didn't want... It. This is where you can tell like he's clearly not exactly a fan of musicals. Yeah. Was that he says, I didn't want at any point just to have, like, there's some dialogue, and then they just burst out into singing. Right, right. Like, I didn't want that. I wanted it to feel more sort of natural and fluid Cohesive. to the actual story. Yeah. Uh, which I think he generally does. But anyway... Yeah. 
we get in this uh, Johnny Depp is Sweeney Todd. I believe this was the sixth time that Johnny Depp and Tim Burton worked together. Um, going back to um, Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. Ed Wood, Corpse Bride, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then something else that I can't think of off the top of my head in between that. But they, they are very historically known for working very well together. They have like an actual French partnership, friendship. Him and Helena Bottom Carter are also really, really close. Um, who, Helen Bottom Carter and Tim Burton? Well, Johnny Depp and Helen oh. Bottom Carter are close. They, uh, they're also close because... This this was the first thing that they actually like acted alongside each other in. Was this the first one? Where they acted, acted together. Well, I knew I knew that they were close because she is married to Tim Burton. Uh, I don't think they were married. I think it was some sort part- of like domestic partnership or something. Um, I don't think it was actual marriage marriage. Just yet. No, I don't think they've ever been actually married. Oh, really? I don't, I don't think so. Ooh, I didn't look into their personal lives, Sorry. but I'm pretty sure <laughs> I remembered that they weren't. It was some sort of... Um, They're just partners. Yeah, and they've, they've long since separated. That was like in 2014 or something. Oh, sure. Pretty sure. Um, they do have a They do have kids together, but yeah. I, again, I don't think they ever full-on got married. Well, anyway, I think all of their chemistry together is really, really good. Yeah, so they, um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Helena Bottom Carter's in this. She plays Miss Lovett's, or Miss Lovett, and then Alan Rickman plays Judge Turpin. Uh, Those are obviously, like, the three sort of central characters, but you do have other people, such as uh, Timothy Spall is in it, who plays Beetle. Sasha Baron Cohen, who plays uh, mm-hmm. Pirelli, and then Jamie Campbell Bauer, who, if you don't know that name, but you've watched Netflix's Stranger Things, and yes. especially the last se- season four, um, he plays Vecna yeah. throughout the show. Um, he's He is in this. He plays as Anthony, the young sailor. Very young and charming. And then Maggie spotted in an uncredited cameo yes, appearance. I don't even know if you can really call it a cameo, but an uncredited role. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. Which I was so excited about. I I know for sure that I didn't notice it the first time that I watched this movie, but it, it just popped up. And it was Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He just popped in for a quick little spot on the screen, and then off he went. <laughs> yep. And I, I immediately, as soon as he was on the screen, I kind of gasped, and I looked at you, and then I started to type my note out, and you are like, what? I was like, do you know who that was? Giles. And I you are like, are you sure? I literally never knew until that moment. And I was like, I'm pretty sure, and sure enough it was. I don't think, I never would have been able, I never would have got that. Um, so, there's a lot of crazy sort of happenstances that go into the making of this movie, which is one, um, both Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp's first musical, any sort of movie, um, where they're actually doing like singing and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter was apparently a big fan of, of Sweeney Todd, uh, yeah. as a child. Her parents 
were apparently big fans and brought home like a um i want to say soundtrack but not necessarily the soundtrack but like a script that kind of had all the songs in it and stuff that she says that she would always look over she looks like she would like Um, that as a kid (laughs) and she said she didn't know that she'd be able to do the singing outside of you know she just like sings in the showers was the joke that she had made Mm -hmm. but she went through and, and auditioned and everything and then managed to get it um she does a great job johnny depp they weren't sure about they knew that he kind of had the look and tim burton even in like an early sketch said that the two of them kind of look like his sketches which Mm -hmm. is hilarious because his sketches are like quite literally just little sketches they don't look like much of anything but i guess he saw them in it um and johnny depp was johnny depp in a band i was about to get there so he originally came to hollywood not as an actor but as part of a band uh, not a singer just part of just a band part of it. I thought so, so he wasn't sure about his ability to actually sing and right. reached out to uh like an old band mate of his to kind of figure it out and nobody they were already in production of this movie they had sets built they had costumes built uh, other people were filming things already before anybody actually heard Johnny Depp sing. No kidding. And once they did, once they got him on set to sing, which his first song was My Friends, which we'll get to, which is when he gets the razors, um, everybody knew it was, like, perfect, that it would work. Sondheim was there, and he, he knew that it was, like, it would work. It was He's perfect. He's got a great voice. So, um, everything sort of worked out great um obviously sasha baron cohen Mm -hmm. works out uh he has a history of singing and like choirs and stuff when he was younger so he i think he also he sang um in university or something i think like he did some sort of technical training because he's he's also in les mis yes which came out years later which came out years later but yeah i think i think he's one of those people i never in a million years would have expected him to have technical almost operatic style singing and he does um they did record the score before shooting anything so uh everybody did uh recordings and like sound booths mm-hmm. and stuff and then it was played back on on set which is relatively normal yeah um but a big thing that burton wanted to do was that every actor used their own voice mm-hmm. so it's not like they have a talking voice and then somebody else sings for them. Right. It's all each character, each actor is doing their own singing and everything. So that's great. Um, Keeps things a lot more cohesive and realistic, yeah. I think. And then sort of finally, before we actually get to the movie movie itself, is Tim Burton's goal with this was to, like I said before, not to just bring the play to the screen, but to make it a movie first and he drew inspiration from classic horror movies mm-hmm. things with like bella lugosi or lon cheney jr like old black and white or even silent yeah. horror films was what he was going for but just adding the music on top of it and i think that's it works basically what they got out of yeah it, it really works um so on to the movie itself we get an opening, uh, which is a title scene, or title sort of credits playing with visuals going on, and it's a lot of, like, machinery and blood dripping, and it's, like, this blood kind of 
moving through everything mm-hmm. into eventually the title screen. Um, with sort of an overture of, um, in the play, what is generally sort of the Sweeney Todd opening number. Um, so the thing, since you haven't seen it, the thing I could equate it to is like in the beginning of Hamilton where they sing about Hamilton before the like the whole thing actually right, starts. Right. Same sort of thing. Um, I did see somewhere, and I mean, I can't pull it up 100%, but people had pointed out that that song is callback to the Battle Royale episode where I mentioned that there was the um, the old Latin song. The op- Remember in the opening of Battle Royale, mm-hmm. there's that old like Latin song that's called... Um, <laughs> I'm going to horribly mispronounce it again. <laughs> but Dies Irae or Dies Irae. Hmm. Sweeney Todd is apparently that song but inversed so it's sort of Sondheim took that inspiration from that and sort of inversed that song uh as the central theme for Sweeney Todd apparently which is very interesting and not and having heard somebody talk about that and then hearing it back and I watched a little bit of the play again before this it makes a lot of sense that's so interesting um, so anyway, we get these visuals going on with it, and it kind of sets the tone to be this dark... Very dark. Uh, scary horror sort of thing we're coming into. And then we kind of see fog mm-hmm. and a ship coming through the fog. Yeah. Uh, coming Thank to London. Thank you for not calling it a boat. It's a boat. It's a ship. <laughs> <laughs> and on the, on the boat, uh, we see a young sailor start to sing there's no place like london uh this is the first time we're introduced to anthony a young sort of optimistic sailor who is coming back to london after having traveled the world Uh, as the song says i've i've traveled the world and seen its wonders but there's no place like london yeah and todd is there with him and todd is also saying there's no place like London, but because London sucks ass. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's like we're thinking about it in very different ways. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're introduced to these two characters who are very central to the whole plot, and they've got two different ideologies. Mm-hmm. And that Anthony is is full of wonder and hope and optimism for the world, whereas Todd has been sort of beat down mm-hmm. and is more pessimistic right. as he says that there's. Uh, probably one of my favorite lines in the whole thing, which is, uh, there's a hole in the world like a great black black pit, and it's filled with vermin. And he's basically just saying that, like, London is this hole of just horrible, awful people. Um, Later in other ones that he says is there's a hole in the world like a great black pit, and it's filled with people who are filled with shit, and the vermin of the world inhabit it. And that place is London. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, this place isn't as magical as you think that it yeah. is. Yeah, so, so Anthony asks, basically is asking him, like, why do you feel that way? And he's like, look, the, the world's been kind to you, yeah. and, and I appreciate you. You get, you're basically told that Anthony saved Todd's life. He was uh, on a little raft or ship, mm-hmm. and, and Anthony spotted him, and they brought him onto the ship, and they brought him back to London, and he's grateful to Anthony for doing that because now he can seek out what he wants to seek out basically right. it's left kind of kind of vague uh, but when Th- Anthony asks him more he tells him the story of the barber and his wife right. and she was beautiful yeah it's, uh, a very, it's a really really 
great song and it is such an interesting look at someone who's who's been through the shit and is telling someone like I know that you've got these big bright eyes about great things that are coming in life but you're gonna find out sooner or later that life sucks <laughs> yeah um so we get the song here Barbara and his wife mm-hmm. and Todd is singing there's no obviously you can't really do this in a well I mean I suppose you could potentially do it in a, in a play but visually in, in the medium of a movie which is much more freedom for visual things because you can cut to like flashbacks and all sorts of things like that much easier especially in the middle of a song we see during a barber and his wife we get sort of a flashback to a young todd uh very clearly it's it's him because it's not like it's different actors it's johnny depp just not with a white streak in his hair um and we see him and his wife with a daughter uh everything is more brightly colored it's it's got like this hue of sort of gold going Mm -hmm. on around it and the song basically says that there was a barber and his wife she was beautiful she was she was virtuous she was innocent and then there was him and he was um naive Mm -hmm. to the world around him and what happens is we're introduced to a judge um, to Judge Turpin and Beetle Bamford. Um, Judge Turpin played by Alan Rickman. And they strum up false charges against Todd to get him taken away, sent away to... Uh, I don't know if the movie ever mentions it, but the play mentions Australia. Oh, really? I, not 100% sure if he's actually sent to Australia or if that's just where there's like, wherever you went, Australia or whatever. Um, but he's sent away. And Seems excessive. The, the reason for this is the judge wants his wife. Yeah. He, he thinks she's beautiful and she wants him. And it doesn't exactly work to plan. No. Um, but we will find out more of that because, obviously, as Todd gets taken away, he doesn't know what happened after that. Yeah. Um, as he tells Anthony, he says, that was many years ago. I, I'm not sure if anybody would actually know what happened. It's also a good thing to note that the 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 beautiful uh beautiful blonde innocent woman and this judge alan rickman's character that's a very very big age difference like he looks so he looks like he could be her grandfather (laughs) yeah but that that's not the point i know it's not but still you know what they say it's it's like uh like with cars, you're supposed to get a new one every oh, right. new model every few years oh, or something, right. right? Is that the thing? Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. What am I talking about? <laughs> um. Anyway, so before Todd and Anthony part ways, Anthony's like, "Will I see you again before I shove off?" And mm-hmm. Todd's like, "I don't know, but if you want to search me out, you may find me uh, over by Fleet Street." Okay. Um, which again shows that, like, even though. Sweeney Todd's got sort of a pessimistic view and and is very clearly filled with like bitterness and Mm -hmm. anger over things that happened in the past. He thinks like sort of friendly of Anthony. He he maybe sees a little bit of himself from his younger days. Maybe like a little brother kind of. Sure. Kind of thing. Um, But he goes off. We get this 
shot of like the camera sort of going through these streets and alleyways of London and it's again Tim Burton movie so it's pretty dark and, and things look uh, grimy and, and sort of gross and we kind of go through like a red light sort of district and, and all this stuff and we end up at Fleet Street but more importantly this specific building which uh, has Miss Lovett's pies on the bottom and uh, something on top of it. And like a, a, va- a vacant a vacant apartment yeah. loft flat whatever you call it. Is Fleet Street a real street? Uh, pretty sure. I don't know. Never Never been. (laughs) Um, So Todd goes in to Miss Lovett's, and when he gets in there, we this is where we see Helena Bottom Carter for the first time, and she starts to sing, um, "Worst Pies in London." It's a gross scene. It is. I did not care for it the first time I watched it. It's all about Miss Lovett makes meat pies. That's Mm -hmm. her occupation. But she self-professed the worst pies in London because of the price of meat Mm -hmm. and where you get it, if it's fresh or not. Um, Her literal kitchen whatever table, it's crawling with roaches and other things. And the meat just looks like a gross-ass meat slop. The ingredients are moldy and everything is just like, she's just kind of like throwing things around like they've been out for a long time. Um, if Yelp was a thing, she'd probably have, like, <laughs> zero stars. <laughs> she would have review, reviewed herself and she said, would have it's, reviewed. it's great! <laughs> isn't that just revolting? She's very honest about she it. She is very, she's very honest about how terrible her business is. It does have one of my favorite lines of song, where she's talking about, um, other people who sell pies on the street, and mm-hmm. she goes, I've noticed... Lately, all of her cats have disappeared. Yeah. I gotta hand it to her. Popping pussies into pies is pretty smart. <laughs> and then she, that. and then she's like, "I, I wouldn't do it." Also, those cats are fast, so. <laughs> so she's tried. <laughs> I've tried, but I actually I wouldn't do it. I've, I've tried to cook cats. Um, <laughs> and. She does at one point also like as she's singing and as they're kind of like meeting and getting familiar. She does just give him. A pie, which he takes a bite out of, and oh, immediately yeah, yeah. spits out. <laughs> yeah, because uh, she's like, "Isn't that just gross?" Yeah, it's <laughs> gross. Disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, I think Helena Bottom Carter is great here. Um, yeah. I th- I think everybody here is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only person I think who is maybe not fantastic singing wise is alan rickman but he also doesn't have a ton of singing bits or or really many lines of dialogue in the movie to begin with um but yeah i I think he still does fine i just think he's probably the least comfortable singing i can also picture him being like i would like to do as little singing as possible yeah maybe he did say in one of the behind the scenes things that as an actor, it's probably one of the most frightening things that you go in and have to sing and perform in front of Stephen Sondheim, his own music. Oh, that's probably... Um, that guy's got Oscars, doesn't he? Stephen Sondheim? Yeah. I have no idea. I think he's got well, lots of awards. He's definitely won awards for uh, Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. and it's uh, not the movie, but the play. Right. Um, I don't know if he's ever won anything for other stuff. 
Alan Rickman just he just does such he has he had always done such a great job of playing a bad guy or someone that's you know very dark and broody and he has won one academy award did he mm-hmm. for what i'll look it oh. up keep going um no but yeah he he does such a great job and i kind of forgot that he was even in this movie um he's he's so great at being so bad and i love it so <laughs> I don't know what I expected his win to be, but it definitely, in a million years, I never would have been able to guess this, but he won Best Original Song in 1990 for the song Sooner or Later, I Always Get My Man from the movie Dick Tracy. What? (laughs) Yes. No kidding. He did the music for Dick Tracy? I I guess so. (laughs) That's one of the first Halloween costumes I ever went as. My brother was Dick Tracy, and I was Breathless Mahoney. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, Sweeney Todd's won him a bunch of awards, obviously. Yeah. He's probably um, got a bunch of Tonys. He had uh, six Tonys, yeah. and he was honored for Lifetime Achievement in 2008. Oh, wow. Uh, he had five... Lawrence Olivier Awards and also a an honorary award from them, um, and then he had won a number of Grammys. Wow, good for him! Eight Grammys, uh, and then the one Academy Award. Those are like the major awards. Yeah. I'm sure there's a bunch of miscellaneous ones in there, but those are like the major ones. Um, yeah, I'd be nervous too singing around him. Yeah, so. <laughs> Anyway, I, I think the music's great throughout. I think everybody sings really well. I think, it's honestly, I think Johnny Depp is, like, I can't imagine a different actor in the role, specifically in this movie. I can't either. I think I think he was kind of made for that kind of character. Yeah. Um, so I was very, very good there. Kind of sidetracked. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but that's what we do here, so. <laughs> that's well, what we do. Um, so... After she sings her song, he asks about the vacancy upstairs, saying, you know, if your times are hard, why don't you rent that out? And she's like, no, 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 I can't do that. And he asks why, and then she starts to sing a similar song to what he sung earlier about a barber and his wife. Mm -hmm. But in this case, she's singing, there was a barber and he was beautiful. Clearly indicating that she has always had the hots for him. But explains that... Uh, we get a little bit again that there was a barber and his wife and he was beautiful. Um, she was a little nitwit, sort of. You know, like she was a, a beautiful blonde who had no brains is basically what she's trying to get across. And he asks, well, what happened What happened to the wife? And, and she's like, okay, well, after he was sent away, she stayed locked up there and the judge kept coming around and then eventually Beetle... Bamford came and invited her because the judge felt so sorry. Mm-hmm. And when she goes that night, it's to a party, a masquerade ball that mm-hmm. the judges put on where she doesn't know anybody there. They're all in masks. She, she kind of gets like um, dizzy from what's going on and they're like handing her drinks and stuff. And she just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And during this time, uh, while not explicitly said, uh, pretty much implied that the judge takes advantage of her here and probably rapes her. Yeah. Um, which leads to, as, as 
Miss Lovett says that she ends up taking her own life by uh, eating some arsenic, even though she tried to stop her, she she, she basically took her own life. That, yeah. That's kind of what's said. She drinks some poison, more or less. It's implied that she had died. Um, and Todd is visibly upset by this. Right. And she goes, I knew it! You are Benjamin Barker. Yeah. You've returned. And he goes, no, I'm not Benjamin. and I'm not, I'm not him anymore. I'm Sweeney Todd now. Yeah. And I'm here to have my revenge. You see such a complete change in his face when he, he learns this. He learns that um, not only the woman that he loved was taken advantage of and put into a situation that she very clearly didn't belong in and wasn't comfortable in, to the point that she regrets everything so much, she takes her own life, and there's a child. Well, that she she took poison. Took poison. Um, Not necessarily... It's important for the story that she doesn't say anything about her actually dying. True, true, but that true. she just took poison. She took poison. And she seemed very... She seemed a little bit... Um, what's the word? She seemed kind of like... Ditsy. Mm. <laughs> Wait, who? Um, Helen Bottom Carter's oh. character. She kind of seemed like this is just very matter of fact. And she seemed... Oh, yeah, because she wants that Sweeney Todd for herself. Yeah, so she's like... She wants that I'm Sweeney just, D for herself. <laughs> she's just very matter-of-fact about it, and this is just what I think happened, and it is what it is, and sorry. Yeah, and she does also reveal that uh, Todd's daughter, mm-hmm. Joanna, who at the time was about one year old... Yeah. I don't believe the movie says how old she is, but she's old enough that she's in a little, like... Stroller. Yeah, she's like in a little carrier. Are, the, the, are those bassinets? No, bassinets. What's you got next to the, the bed? Oh, that's the rocking thing. Okay, yeah. I don't know <laughs> shit about babies. Either. So, in a little stroller carriage thing, um, very clearly very young, but it's been fifteen years since then, and she reveals that Judge Turpin basically adopted Joanna mm-hmm. and keeps her as his ward. Um, locked away in so that nobody can see her. Very creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so they go upstairs, and Miss Lovitz reveals that she has saved his razors, his straight-edge razors that he had when he was a barber, made out of silver. And this is where we get the song, My Friends, which is a great song. Very and he's, song. Singing to the, he's singing to the blades about... Uh, I'm home, we're back together again, and Miss Lovitz is also sort of co-singing with him, but about being like, I'm your friend, Mr. Todd, I'll be your friend, I'm here for you, silver's good enough for me, and he just generally is ignoring her the whole time, like, I don't, I I don't give a shit. (laughs) I couldn't tell if he was ignoring her, or if he was just, like, not picking up. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't care. He's not there for that. Yeah. He's there for one thing only, and that's revenge for what happened, and now... He believes that his wife was more or less forced into killing herself, and then yeah. his daughter was taken away, to which he thinks he'll never be able to see her again. Yeah. Um, we also get the great moment, and, and shot. I love the way that this is shot, but when he stands up, there's this big, like, um, I don't know what, there's a certain term, it's almost like a skylight sort of window. I don't know the exact term for it or oh, something. Yeah, but yeah. the way that the roof is, it's like a slanted roof, and there's this massive window on yeah. it. 
Um, and it's just this great shot of him standing up in, like, this moonlight coming through this window with the shadows and everything. And he just holds the thing up, and he's like, At last! My arm is complete again! I... He's also singing during this yeah. that he's gonna use it to make... They're gonna bleed rubies. Yeah. And... I don't know if it's one of those weird things where it's just like, it's a musical number and a thing. What's said isn't exactly 100%. You don't need to care. Or if it's just like, Miss Lovitz is so strangely in love with this man mm-hmm. uh, that she doesn't understand that what he means is like, I'm going to kill people. Yeah. Or a very specifically, I want to kill a person. But I don't know how you yeah. take bleeding rubies any other way. I don't think that she gets it, but I also wrote in my notes, too, that I thought it was a really visually, I mean, it could just be, it just could be a coincidence, but I thought that it was really interesting, if you compare the scenes together, this, um, this upstairs area that has this big slanted window, and the way that it is so open, looks so much like the open, um, attic in Edward Scissorhands that's also slanted. Like, don't you think that that's a really cool comparison? I, th- I, I literally that, looked at That is probably just uh, a sort of architectural style that Tim Burton likes or really? something. I, I liked to I mean, be... it, it could also be, like, self-referential yeah. in that it's like, hey, do you remember the, the yeah. first time we saw Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. Uh, he was also the... in, like, a little attic thing, and there was a hole in the roof that sh- was, shined through lights. And it was slanted, and I, I, I thought that that was a clever comparison. It may not mean anything, but I, I made a note of it. Even if it. Even if it's not, it could also be, like, a subconscious sort of yeah. thing. I, I don't know. Um... <laughs> because obviously in the stage play they're not in a in a building. Right. They've got in a again specifically referencing to the 1982 one that I've seen is the set for the pie shop and the upstairs is one unit that you can walk in and out of, but they can they rotate it so it's on like wheels and they can rotate it and they got little stairs on the side that they can go up to be in the top. It doesn't have walls. The top's just like a flat board. Um, interesting and then the bottom is like a little you got like a countertop and like a wood floor and then a door that you can walk into so it is like a box but it's meant they push it on and off stage and can rotate it around and stuff to you know visualize demonstrate like the movement of where the scenes are taking place and stuff and then you have an upstairs and a downstairs so if something's happening upstairs you could have miss lovitz and toby who will get to like Mm -hmm. in the the downstairs reacting to like sounds or something for example um so now that we've got he's got his razors back um again miss lovett's trying to get close to him but he generally seems to just kind of be basically ignoring it he's so set on this revenge of his that he doesn't really see kind of what's going on around him um and this is where we then cut to seeing Anthony sort of just walking the streets. And he's looking for, like, Hyde Park. Um, but he's just kind of walking. And he comes to this building. And he looks up in this window on the second floor. is this young, blonde woman singing about being in a cage. Mm-hmm. Singing to her birds. Um, about, like, 
I, I wish I could fly away and be free like you, but instead I'm, I'm trapped here. And this is where Anthony first sees Joanna. Just love it first sight. And, absolutely. Um, how old is Anthony supposed to be? Who knows? We know Joanna's at least 16. Yeah. So <laughs> how old did you need to be a sailor back then? I don't know, but Too I'm, young, I guess. I'm guessing he's probably a little bit older. <laughs> um, this is also where we get a... I really do like the so, song uh, that he sings about Joanna, where he's like, I see you, Joanna. It is a really nice song. Um, I do love that. Um, he, while singing, he goes... He basically... He's While he's sitting out there, a homeless woman comes up to him begging for change. Do you have change for a miserable woman? Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see her a few more times kind of popping up. He asks her whose house is this? Mm-hmm. Um, who is that? This is where he's, the old woman goes, oh, that's Judge Turpin's house, and, and that's Joanna. Don't don't even think about it. Um, it's a very, very nice part of town. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... The, between him and the homeless woman, they're pretty much the only people that aren't wearing, like, super nice clothes... And Anthony? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's also sort of wearing, like, yes. basically what he had off the ship, but yeah, exactly. sailor-y stuff. And in the play, he is wearing, like, straight-up sailor sort of oh, uniform like actual, stuff. Like, like yeah, thing. Uh, it's blue, but with, like, the little collar flap yeah. thing and whatever. Like, very, very to be like, he is a sailor. He's a sailor. Um, this one a little bit less so, but yeah. basically the same idea. Um, Judge Turpin hears the commotion outside, apparently. I mean, if you just start singing in the street, somebody's going to hear you, I suppose. Someone's going to know And he invites Anthony inside, brings him into his, uh, office, I suppose. Parlor? Sure, whatever. And he sits him down, and he's, he's talking to him a little bit, and it's all a ruse. He basically... He gives, he offers him a glass of whiskey or something? Yeah, he's basically just trying to be like... Fuck around and find out. He basically is like, I saw you looking at my daughter. No, no, no. You gandered at her. <laughs> you, you gandered. You gandered at my lord. I, I saw you gander I at her. I swear to God, I wrote that in all caps in my notes. I did too. You gandered <laughs> you at her. You gandered at her. You gandered. The audacity. Um, How dare you, you man off the streets, gandering <laughs> at my ward. Basically, Turpin just tells him, don't even think about yeah. it. Or else. Exactly. And then has Beetle take him out back, push him, Shut and him. then Beetle's little retractable cane, he whacks him a number of times and says, get out of here. He's such a piece of shit, eh? He is. Guys Timothy don't... Spaulding uh, is great at being like a little weaselly He's piece so of shit. He's so good at being like a little, um, like a little, uh, what's the word? Like you're, you're, I'm... A rat. Yeah, like you're, like... <laughs> pee on like i'm too good to do it so i'll send my little riffraff off to do it he's so good at that and it's also so funny to me i i wish that there could be if i was anthony i would have been like to uh the the judge's character i'd have been like wait what's the situation here are you trying to be like a father figure (laughs) to her or are you trying to be like a husband figure to her like, why, why are you so threatened by someone just off the street yeah. looking at a window? Yeah. You know? Um, so, very, we then... Very, very insecure for someone that, yeah. that 
holds themselves to such high regard as being a judge. Yeah, so Anthony kind of runs off, but is like... Uh, before he does, before he does, um, Joanna tosses him a key. Mm -hmm. Just willy-nilly out the window, like... Okay. Um, so he runs off. We then catch back up to Todd and, and Miss Lovitz, and they're sort of in, like, a market. And she's bringing him to see... A renowned barber, the king of the barbers, mm -hmm. uh, Pirelli. And when they get there, we get probably... I don't know that I'd say it's, like, my favorite musical number, but I do... I love... Forget it. I love everything in this movie. Yeah. But um, we get the little boy, Toby, who is selling a miracle elixir. Um, Toby is played by uh, Ed Sanders... Uh, who at the time was very, very young. I don't know how old he would have been. Um, he would have been... Uh, that was 2007. He would have been 14 at the time. 13, maybe, when they were filming it. You know, depending on when they filmed it, when it actually came out. Anyway, so he plays Toby. And Toby is standing on this little stage. And he's going, Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? And it's trying to sell this miracle elixir to cure baldness. Yeah. Um, he's saying, how do I know that this works? And he takes off his hat and he's got these long golden locks. Long, platinum blonde hair. And while he's doing this spiel to kind of sell it, very catchy, very good salesman. It reminded me so much of like those old tiny people that would try to get you to come into a circus. Like, come, come on, come all. Come yeah. see what we're doing that's, over that's here. Kind of the, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. Um, while he's giving this tonic out, passing it around, Todd and uh, Love it, get a bottle of it, and they start to make snide remarks, being yeah. like, ooh, what is this? Oh, it smells like piss. Must be piss. It's piss with ink. Um, or like, be careful. Don't put it on your boots or it'll eat right through. Yeah. And Pirelli hears this and comes out, and this is where we see Sasha Baron Cohen as Pirelli, who looks like an 18th century Liberace. <laughs> like, he looks ridiculous, and he is he is so extra. He's supposed to be. It's all show. That's the thing. All show. It's all show. It's, um, he's, a, he's Italian. He's the king of the barbers. He's even shaved the Pope. That's he's the whole thing. The uh, he's, he's a barber of kings, the king of the barbers. Who's even shaved a pope? That's right. that's the whole spiel, and he's like, "I want to know who calls it piss." Yeah. Who does this? Who's talking about my weird concoction? And then Todd's like, "It was me. I do." And I bet you five pounds that or pence, whatever it was, that I can shave a cleaner shave than you can. Yeah. Either you take on my bet. Or you admit to being a fraud. Yeah. Admit so, to the people that your elixir is bullshit. Yeah. So they have a shaving contest. And just happens Beetle Bamford is in the crowd. Of course. And Todd, because he knows of his close relationship to the Judge Sherpin, invites him to be the judge. Right. And I love this scene, too. Uh, because it just shows that Pirelli is mostly just show. He's 
he's singing like to shave of the face and blah 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 and he's putting on the shaving cream and he's like going to shave but he's like he'll do like one stroke and then sing this verse or have this big uh high note that he hits what's funny as well during this scene is that he's got his little apprentice toby toby helping him who's like holding his arm out and his hand out to help him and the he's guy is nicked. just just he just keeps nicking him with the the shaving razor just like over and over again and the kids just like ow 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 which ow. is also very important for the character of toby yeah. to understand the situation that he's in currently is not great, it, uh, yeah. and that that Pirelli kind of treats him like shit. It's yeah. very important character-wise, especially later on. Um, it's also important too that we're we're watching um, Sweeney Todd and uh, Mrs. Um, Love it. They're also witnessing how he's treating this kid. Is she most important? Todd doesn't care. Todd doesn't, yeah, yeah, Todd doesn't care. She does. She's watching the kid be treated, mistreated, and she's kind of like, mm, well, that's not really fair, and that sucks. He's obvi- He's clearly being taken advantage of. Right, so while Pirelli's showing off and doing these high numbers and he's shaving the face, Todd hasn't even started, but once it kind of gets to, like, a crescendo, Todd applies the shaving cream and quickly shaves the face before Pirelli can finish his high note. And he's declared the winner. So, uh, Todd gives, gets his five pounds, and then is asked by the guest cameo of... Giles! Of, well, where, do you have an establishment? And, and Miss Lovett says, oh yeah, over on Fleet Street, above my pie shop. And he invites Beetle Bamford to come over for a shave at some point. And Beetle's like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll take you up on it sometime. I'll show up sometime before the week's out. I'll show up. And, um... I'd just like to throw it out there, and I've said this, I said this during the movie, and I'm sure I've said it before, but that old school clean razor shaving scares me. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how people were just okay with, like, throwing their neck back and throwing their neck back and letting their Adam's apple just be free for razors (laughs) to go right on it. It gives me the ewies. Uh huh. <laughs> um, so Todd and Miss Lovett go back to the store. Um, Todd's impatient. He's like, "Why isn't he come yet? Why isn't he come?" And it's like, "Dude, it's been like twenty minutes. Yeah. Chill." Um, at this point, Anthony comes in, and he goes. He goes to Todd, and he says, "There's this girl. She's got the key. She's uh, a judge has her, and I'm gonna go tonight and break her out and leave." And Todd realizes that that's Joanna, right. so he fully supports it. He's like, "Look, Absolutely. bring her here before you leave, and then you can get out. Of, then we'll help you get out of town, all set." Because it's sort of like a win-win situation. Yeah. He's uh, potentially his daughter's getting out. Maybe he can meet her, and she'll be safe. And then whatever, cool. Um, they from there uh, they see Pirelli's coming with Toby, mm-hmm. and. Todd says, keep the boy downstairs. Miss Lovitz goes out there and says, I'll give I'll give him some meat pies, whatever. And yeah. Pirelli's like, whatever, I don't care. Do what you want. Yeah. Pirelli comes upstairs, and it's revealed that he's not Italian. 
He, he is, is not Italian. It's a fake accent that he's putting on, and he says, Look, you think I wouldn't recognize you with those razors? Maybe you don't remember me, Benjamin, but I used to sit in this chair, sweeping the hairs, watching you use those. So, yeah. either... He says, either you're going to pay me all of whatever you make, yeah. or I'm going to go tell the judge. And Todd realizes that he can't have this, not now especially, mm-hmm. and... We get the scene of this, like, tea kettle boiling. You yeah. start to hear it whistle. And you see it, like, snap in Todd. And he takes it and he beats him in the head with it. Just absolutely wrecks him. Yeah. So... Is this also when she gave him the gin? Yes. The she, she... So... Yeah, there, yeah there, cause there's a, a... It's... That's after. So, he... Toby hears the sound downstairs... And he realizes, oh shit, he's late for an appointment. I gotta go tell him. Runs upstairs, no Pirelli. Right. And Todd's like, he he went somewhere, he rushed off somewhere, and, and Toby's like, well, I'll just stay here. And Todd's like, no, you should really go downstairs. And he's like, no, 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 I shouldn't leave. And he goes, how about you go downstairs yeah. and you tell Miss Lovitz that I told you you can have some gin. Yeah. And Toby's like, fuck yeah, <laughs> say really? less. Say less, Say less. Runs downstairs, <laughs> and we see in the box that Toby was sitting on is a hand sticking out. And that's twitching. That's twitching. <laughs> and Todd goes over and opens it up, and Pirelli's still alive. And as he's lifting his head up, Todd just slices his throat. Very graphic. And Miss Lovitz comes upstairs and is like, what happened? Where did he go? Is it, when's he coming back? Mm-hmm. And Todd's like, he's not, and reveals the dead body and Miss Lovitz is like, well, that's that's a shame. She's not very shocked. No. And she, she, she's, one, not very shocked. She's just kind of like, hmm, well, rats, I guess. And then also she immediately pulls out his, he pull, she pulls out basically like what his wallet would be, like a little bag of pence and pounds or whatever. And she's like, well, shouldn't go to waste, so. Um... <laughs> We then cut to Judge Turpin, who is in the middle of a trial, and just to, like, seal the deal of how much this guy's an asshole, is he sentences somebody to (laughs) hang until dead, and it's revealed to be a child. It's literally a child. He is a child on on the stand. And the the best part is after he literally asks, like, did he do it? And Beetle Bamford goes, well, if not, he probably did something. (laughs) They're just like, whatever. Who cares? Who cares? From that point, uh, the judge decides that he's going to marry Joanna to prevent her from leaving or or anybody looking at her. Which, again, gross. Ew. Yes, again. Um, but he, when he proposed it, she shunned him from the proposal. And Beetle says, well, my lord, if I might... You, you're not looking your best. You got a little stubble yeah. on your chin. You're 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 not dressed that great. Your hair's kind of rough. Maybe you need a shave and some nice French cologne, and that'll, that'll drive her that'll wild. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll um, get a sixteen-year-old to like you. Yeah, and he so he says, "Look, I know of this excellent barber. We'll go there. We'll get you looking nice, and then she can't refuse you." So she brings uh, Beetle brings him to Todd. And they get upstairs, and that's when they start to sing Pretty Woman. 
So Tan has Judge Turpin there in his chair, and as he's going to about to slice the neck, they sing, "Pretty women, yeah, pretty women, the way they make a man feel." Our cat's going crazy. Our cat is just. She's got the zoomies, and she's just launching herself up and down the stairs. Um, clearly she's a fan of Sweeney Todd. She's a big fan. So excited. So as they're singing, and it's building and building, the song is building to this moment, and it's about to happen, into the room comes Anthony, Mm -hmm. and Judge Turpin obviously recognizes him and says, if this is the company you keep, you will have none of mine. Yeah. And leaves. And... Todd, uh, very angry, even though even though he had ample chance to just do it immediately, but he decided to sing a duet with <laughs> with the guy he hates. Taking, taking his time. They they have a shared interest of beautiful women, is what it was. It's it's just such. A, it's also so creepy because he knows that the judge is singing about his daughter. daughter. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it. Um. So. He, Todd yells at Anthony to get out in a great scene the way I like, he's like, get out! Oh, I hate that. I love it. Oh, I hate that. Um, and then Miss Lovitz comes upstairs because she sees that the judge left and, and was like, what the hell happened? Yeah. And he's like, I had him. I had him. And then she goes, it, Todd basically blames her and goes, it was your fault. You told me to wait to take my time to not just kill him. It's your fault. And this is where he snaps and is just like, I don't care. Everyone deserves to die now. Yeah. He even gets aggressive towards her. Yes. He he sings uh, that they everyone deserves to die. Yeah. He's like, even you, Mrs. Lovett, even I, mm-hmm. we all deserve to die. And uh, we get the shot of him going through the street. Obviously, this is like a fictional bit where he's walking through the street pointing at people. You, sir? Yeah. Two, sir. How about a shave? Yeah. Come on, see your old friend Sweeney. I love I I loved that scene. Yeah. Everybody is just going on about their day. Meanwhile, he, you know, the way that he's envisioning it, he's in turmoil and he is so upset and no one cares and he's all alone and he's just walking up to person by person by person, basically threatening him like, I could kill you right now. I could kill you right now. What about you? I can do you too. Mm-hmm. And he, during the like ending bit of the song, he's like, at last. Uh, basically feels like he's alive finally um and miss lovitz comes up with the idea of like well if we're gonna be doing this what are we gonna do with all the bodies it's like we could you know wait till the cover at night then move the bodies but like that's a lot of work and you'd probably eventually get caught and where would you storm in the meantime and then she comes up with the idea of how can we turn how can we turn this into a positive you know, the one lady's making cats into pie, so why don't we... What's the difference? Turn the people into pies, and Todd loves the idea. He is on board immediately. Men devouring men, my dear. Yep. Who are we to deny it? Um, and this is where we get the great scene of them looking out the shop window, pointing at different people with different occupations about, like, what do they taste like? They're, like, talking about people as though they are different cuts of meat. Like, well, that one's kind of gamey, or that one's kind of fancy. Maybe that one's not so great. And we're talking about, like, a preacher, or a lawyer, or just a <laughs> handyman. Yeah. They're like, hmm, well, they're all going to taste different. Yeah. 
Try the priest. Try the priest. They're, like, coming up with the menu as they're looking out the window. And it's disturbing, but hilarious. <laughs> yes. Uh, we then see that Judge Turpin, uh, because of what happened, he realized that Anthony's going to keep trying. So he sends Joanna to a an asylum uh, <laughs> to keep her from getting out, to keep anybody from getting to her. And then after a few years or months, he will take her and she'll be glad to have him. Because he'll right. then be like the hero who took her out of the asylum. Yeah. Um, Anthony chases after the carriage as he sees it getting taken away um, to discover that she's been sent to the asylum. Uh, Todd, during this time, builds the famous chair um, in, that basically reclines back to dump the bodies into the basement, which is where the furnace is at for the pies. And then we start just seeing Todd killing people uh, while singing about his daughter. And we're just seeing him killing people left and right doesn't really matter who they are not important characters just killing them uh we again see the homeless woman come out saying sing, saying city on fire like doesn't anybody smell that awful smell coming from that place something's wrong yeah um and obviously nobody's gonna listen to her because she's just a, a beggar old crazy lady but she mm-hmm. she she did immediately try to point out that something fucky is going on yes at that place and city on fire yeah. And then while all of that's happening, um, Mrs. Lovett's business, booming. Absolutely booming. Um, we do see that that Todd doesn't kill one man because his family's there with him. Oh, yeah. So he, he like, begrudgingly looks at the family like, oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, but, yes, business is now absolutely booming. People are loving these meat pies. She's, it's clean. It's got new lighting. It's, it looks nicer. Uh, no roaches or anything like that. It looks like a totally different place. Mm-hmm. And Toby's there helping. Um, the old one, the homeless woman keeps trying to come in, and, and Miss Lovitz is like, throw the old woman out! Um, who keeps being like, something's wrong, something's wrong, city on fire. And uh, basically, the, the business is great. Now, this is obviously, at this point, she's baking people, people. Into, into the pies. So there's this bit to the story of cannibalism which is a very classic tale that again goes back to like the penny dreadfuls and stuff about cannibalism being very much a horror subject what was that movie called where it's like it's people you're eating people soylent green soylent green that's it (laughs) the movie where it's people yeah Uh, it could be a lot of things um (laughs) So, we then see, at this you, point... Do you think that you'd know the difference if you ate a cheeseburger that was made of beef and was made of a farmer? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would think I'd maybe taste a difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd be able to tell that it's human. I'd like to think I don't that know, I know the difference. I don't know what human tastes like, I but I, I know what a beef hamburger tastes <laughs> right. like. So I, I think if you, like, if you gave me, like, uh, a turkey burger and a yeah. hamburger next to each other, yeah. I think I would know which one is which. I have been wanting to do that to you for a while, to give you, like, an impossible burger and a regular burger and see if you could tell the difference. Well, I, again, I say that, but then people always say that some of those impossible burgers do taste, like, surprisingly. And a lot of things nowadays do get flavored as, like, this yeah. is a this is a seasoning that's supposed to taste like this thing, but it's not actually that thing. 
So who knows? I, I really know. hope that I would know if I was eating a creature. But I would, I would assume. <laughs> I think back in this time, yeah. they don't have that. They don't have. They're not injecting this right. meat with some sort of something to make it taste like that's, something else. That's very true. Um, anyway, <laughs> so to, to people, I mean, if you've never had people before, you don't know what people taste <laughs> you like. So it you like. could very easily just be like, "Ooh, what's this recipe?" And you could just be like, "Oh, pheasant." <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So, at this point, with business going so well and everything happening, uh, Miss Lovitz sings, like, you know, Mr. Todd, I think we should go on vacation. And we should we should maybe just move on with our lives and be happy. And she, she, I pointed out, I said this to you, I was like, this is how I feel when you're asking me, like, you want to hear about this thing I watched? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, where she's like, do you want to hear my dream, Mr. Todd? Do you? Do you? Huh? And he's like, yeah, sure. He's so just like... He, again, it's showing that, like, he, he very doesn't clearly care. doesn't really care. Yeah. Um, he's emotionless. Even though she is very much, like, head over heels in love with him, he just doesn't care. But it works because he also doesn't care that he's spending his time with her. But for him, it's not anything more than, like, you're very convenient for very what convenient. I'm doing at yeah. this point. Um, it, it, it almost, like, if you if you watch TikToks or YouTube videos of people trying to be affectionate with their cat, and the cat is just so unbothered by it, that's literally their relationship. She's trying so hard to get him to see her her idea and her way of what they could possibly be, and he is just on autopilot. Yeah. He's like, sure. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah, and this is where we just get By the Sea, which is very colorful and bright and uplifting, but he's wearing basically black in every <laughs> every Everything. shot. Black and white. Um, and Toby's there because she's basically pseudo-adopted Toby. Adopted Toby. Um, after this, Anthony shows up and tells them that Joanna's been put into an asylum and he's not sure how to save her. And Todd comes up with the plan to break her out, saying, Well, you know where these wig makers get their wigs is from the asylum. So we're just going to say that you're an apprentice to a wig maker, and you're there to get some hair, and you'll just pick out her. So yeah. you'll need some blonde hair. They'll take you up there because they won't know any better, and you get her, and then, then you get your, get yourself out. So Anthony goes about to do that. Um, and Todd sets up a plan to get Turpin there. He sends Toby, he pens a letter for Judge Turpin saying, mm -hmm. hey, you need to come here if you want to get your award. And he gives it to Toby and says, Toby, go straight to Judge Turpin. Do not give this to anybody else. Don't read it. Just go to him and, and give it to him. Um, Toby goes and does that. And then uh, we get a moment where Toby and Love It are together. Mm -hmm. And this is where he sings his song about nothing's gonna harm you, yeah. not while I'm around. And this is his, basically, this is where it ties back to what I said earlier, which is where it's important to realize that when he was with Pirelli, he was being abused, and Pirelli was shitty. He's trying to tell her that um, demons will come for you, but I won't let them. Yeah. And he's trying to insinuate that someone upstairs, Todd, yeah. is... Like, he's not the man he 
you thinks he is, that he's awful, and I know that he's awful because I've been around awful men before, and there's something not right. And she picks up on this, but she's like, just have some more gin, go to sleep, whatever. I would also like to make a note that you ruined that song for me. <laughs> By saying that Max would sing that song I love I loved that song before. I liked it the first time around, but then before it started, you were like, if, if Mac... Max could sing or something like this. This is would be his song to you, and then I started listening to it and it was like, "I will protect you from everybody and I'll protect you from harm." And I was like, "Why'd you do that? <laughs> you changed the song for me now. Now it's all I could think about." This this is also where he sees the little coin purse that she took mm-hmm. off of Pirelli's body. Yeah. He realizes something's wrong, and he's like, "No," and she's like, "No, no, no, no. Mister Todd got this for me." Yeah. And she goes, you know what? You've always wanted to help make the pies, so how about I show you how we make the pies? And she takes him down to the basement, gets him in the basement, and goes, you know what? Let me go fetch some something to drink real quick. I'll be right back. You stay down here. Have as many pies as you want. Yeah. And she locks the door on him. It's so interesting, too, her character. You, you're, you're watching this character who doesn't it first seemed to have a maternal instinct in her body or a maternal bone in her body suddenly do have it just for uh just for him just for toby and she's kind of struggling on i feel like accepting the fact that she cares for this kid when she probably never thought that she well she now realizes that he's caught on and she goes she goes upstairs to get todd to come down and kill him uh, because unfortunately he's he's gonna know now yeah, he's and liability and she doesn't want him to ruin this dream that she has or this life that she wants to have with this yeah time. and Toby during this has found in like the meats of he, he eats a he takes a bite of a pie and pulls a finger out of his mouth <laughs> and then sees other like a hand and yeah. ribs and stuff from human remains it, he's, it starts to all click and come together. Yeah. Um, now, just before Todd can go downstairs to kill him, um, we do see that Anthony manages to get Joanna out of the asylum. Mm-hmm. He he is taken in by the doctor into the room of the blondes. He's shown, like, they separate them by hair color. Yeah, they separate... There's brunettes and redheads and There's the a blondes. room of brunettes, a room of redheads, a room of blondes. As it should be. Oh, right. <laughs> um, he... So he goes in there, and he picks Joanna out, and as the doctor's going to get her, he pulls a gun out on the doctor, takes Joanna, and leaves the doctor to be mauled by the blondes. He basically was like, I'm going to leave you in here and let them do to you what you've, you've basically been yep. doing to them. And they just go at him like a pack of wild dogs. Now... A pack of wild blonde dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back... I think those would be golden retrievers. <laughs> uh, back with Todd and Miss Lovett. They're about to go to the basement, but Beetle Bamford shows up and he says, We've been getting complaints about this smell, especially at night, so I've come to check it out. And Todd's just like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't have time. And he's like, I, I still have to check it out. And he's like, Okay, okay, let's, let's go upstairs. I'll give you some nice cologne or something first. We'll just spruce you up and then we'll let you take a look at it. And he's like, Oh, okay, sure, why not? And he goes upstairs. And Todd gets him in the chair and kills him. Drops drops the trap. Toby's still downstairs, kind of freaking out about 
the stuff, but the body falls right in front of him. So now he knows, he knows exactly 100% something fucky's happening. Also very graphic again. Yes. They just hurl those bodies down. So now that they've killed him, they go downstairs to get Toby. And when they go into the basement, they can't find Toby anywhere. Yeah. Toby has disappeared. Toby's gone. During this time, the homeless woman saw Beetle Bamford go there. And he hasn't come out. Right. And she gets nosy and goes upstairs and is like, Beetle, where are you? I know you're here, Beetle. Where are you hiding? You can't be anywhere. And then Todd shows up. Todd's covered in blood at this point from killing Beetle. And she's like, I didn't see anything. I don't know what's happening. And just in a certain light, she looks at Todd and goes, Don't I know you, mister? And then he slices her throat. And she's standing on the trapdoor, so he just hits the thing. She just falls straight down. Uh, the bodies are just piling up at this point. Um, and then, at that point, uh, Anthony and Joanna show up. Uh, or, Todd goes back downstairs. Anthony and Joanna show up. Todd's not there. Anthony says, okay, you just stay in here. We've dressed you like a boy. Nobody's going to know it's you. You hang out here. I'm going to go find Mr. I'm going to go make sure our ship's ready. And then I'll come back and get you. Okay. He leaves. Um, oh, I kind of mixed that up. So Joanna is there when the homeless woman comes upstairs. Because she hides in the little oh, in the, in in the, the chest. chest. Yeah. So she sees Sweeney Todd kill the homeless woman. Yeah. And then he finds her in the chest... And is about to kill her when she hear, he hears Miss Lovett scream. And he says, don't move. He goes downstairs to find Miss Lovett. And when he gets downstairs... Um, wait, is that right? Am I confusing things? No, he's got her... Well, he's thinking that she is a boy or a random person. Oh, no, you know what? We've, again, mixed things up really quickly. So, the homeless woman gets killed, and then he's ready to go back downstairs when Judge Turpin shows up. Joanna's still hiding at this point. Oh, okay. Um, because of the note. So, right. he puts on the jacket to hide the blood. Right. And says, they, ha they, haven't, they haven't shown up yet. They will be here momentarily. How about before she shows up, we give you a nice shave, get you nice looking. And they get in that setup again, start singing about pretty women. Mm -hmm. And then Todd just stabs the shit out of him. Like, hacks into him. Like, right into, like, a fucking artery or some shit. Yeah. Just blood everywhere. <laughs> stabs the hell out of him and then even slits his throat for good measure. And then drops him down again into the basement. Jo that's where Joanna is found out. Mm -hmm. And he's about to slit her throat, not knowing it's her, because again, she's dressed up like a boy. Mm -hmm. And just before he does, he hears Miss Lovett scream, uh, because Turpin is shown to like not fully be dead. He's like grabbing her, her right. pantlet, or her dress. Yeah. And, and she's like screaming. So he goes downstairs and is like... Is everything good? And she's like, yeah, 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 everything's fine. But she notices the homeless woman mm -hmm. and tries to hide it from her. 
and he she's starting to drag the homeless woman to try and get her into the furnace really quick when the like light of the furnace sort of hits her face a certain way and Todd realizes that this crazy beggar homeless woman whose hat has been covering her face for most of the movie her, her hair and, and stuff has been obscured most of the movie uh is actually his wife yeah and that he had killed his wife and he realizes that Miss Lovett has, has lied to him mm-hmm. um and she says no I, I never said she died I just said that she took poison. poison and it made her just go crazy and he <laughs> he basically is just like you know what it's cool mrs lovett he's very like mm-hmm. threatening approaching her but he's like singing to her and they start to dance and he spins her around and then he throws miss lovett into the furnace and locks it while we get a visual of her just burning to death <laughs> It was very much so like, um, you know when you know how terrifying it is when someone is so angry that they're calm, and they're they're just like, they're they're not exuding any emotion at all. That's exactly what he was doing. He was being, yeah, like I should be really horrifyingly mad at you right now, but you know what? We should dance instead. And then, sure enough, they danced in circles until they were backed up against the furnace, and then... Yeah, and then Todd is holding his wife, uh, sort of, just like, I can't... You you even said, don't I know you? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, sad. And then we see that Toby is still in the basement. He just went down, like, a little sewer grate thing. And he comes up, and he picks the razor up from behind Todd, and he slits Todd's throat, killing him. As he lay, as he leans over, the his wife, his wife, yeah. And then the movie ends. And then the movie ends. Um, you're just left to assume that Anthony comes back and's like, "All right, Joanna, let's get out of here." And Joanna goes, "I saw some wild I shit." I saw some shit while you were gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the end of the movie. It's just so. It's so tragic and and sad. It's tragic in a, in a way that reminds me of like a Shakespearean kind of book. You know, it's of course he would a- end up accidentally murdering someone and this person that he thought maybe at least a little bit at some point he could trust kept things from him just for her own gain and I don't know, it's just it's such a poetically Poetically well done movie, I would say. It's very satisfying. The movie music is really great. The acting is great, and uh, and yeah, I love it. I think they did such a good job. Yes. Um. So the the role of the crazy beggar woman is reduced a bit from the actual play. Uh, we're introduced to her as soon as they get off the boat in the in the play. Oh, really? Um, she's there right off the beginning, and, and she does say the bit at that point of, don't I know you? And he's like, get away from me. Mm. Um, so in that one, it's obviously here they're trying to make it last as long as possible without you realizing that that's right. supposed to be his wife um, until, like, the final second to make it, so- it, it much more tragic that, like, she had been there the whole time. 
and this old ugly hag and, and he kills her yeah. um in the moment of of reveal um yeah so the movie is yeah i love it i love it i think it's pretty fantastic um the song i like all of the songs i enjoy all of the acting in it mm-hmm. um i think the visual style of tim burton where it's a lot of like dark colors the the pale skin mm-hmm. the sunken looking eyes with the, the dark, makeup and yeah, stuff the dark contoured eyes i think it all works very 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 well and yeah i just love the movie i love anything with with sweeney todd like i a hundred million percent would love to go see it oh that would be cool. uh on i mean you know broadway i guess would be the ideal but like any sort of performance of it and we mentioned this um on our podcast before i think but um uh his name again is in is in josh groban josh groban is in the current broadway rendition uh, redi- rendition of sweetie todd and also gatton maserata Mas- the, the kid from stranger the things. kid from stranger things maserata one of the kids from stranger things um and i i hear nothing but great things it's a it's a great play i don't yeah. imagine there would be i mean unless you cast like really awful people yeah no it sounds it sounds great i would I would love to see that. It's just, it's fascinating. I love all the history behind it, and I love the way that Tim Burton made it, it made it his own little pet, you know, with the weirdness. Yeah. Again, some of the stuff, a little bit gory, but not... I don't think it's that no, gory. It's not that I mean, it's kind of exaggerated yeah. gore, but it's also not too not really too too violent no. there's only really the one big song set piece where he kills i don't know like six or seven people it's all when i say and then the end when i say gory for this it's almost kind of comic comical gore does that make sense comical gore so a lot of blood like excessive blood but in a silly like a silly fun way yeah, yeah. in a silly fun way in a silly fun way uh, so I abs- yeah again I absolutely love this I can't possibly recommend people watching it more mm-hmm. um, I again a tiny nitpick is I don't think Alan Rickman was like the strongest singer yeah. but he's fine in it um, and yeah I just really really enjoy it I enjoy it too I love all of the acting I love all the chemistry. Even the stuff that I thought was gross was still fun. So, if you have never seen it, I personally recommend that you go watch it. Yeah. And if you get an opportunity maybe to go see the musical, go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Musical's great. The opening number, I I, I mean, I get get why they don't have it, but the opening, uh, like, song of Sweeney Todd Mm -hmm. uh, is great i love the way everybody says the demon barber of fleet street I wanna you'll have it. to see it. i'll okay. show you um anyway uh i guess thanks thanks for listening i don't think there's too much more to go mm-hmm. on after that thank you for joining us uh if you enjoyed the episode leave a, a like or a comment or a rating on any of those services where it allows you to do those sort of things yeah. you can find us all over the place instagram facebook at coas underscore podcast mm-hmm. youtube chicken on a stick uh where we post video 
versions of this and some other stuff. Yeah. TikTok, we have some things out there. Um, and then, yeah, every Friday we do a live review of a movie we saw that week over on Twitch. So you can find us there. Uh, but, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. And we'll see everybody again next week with... Yeah. Maggie's choice of something she hasn't picked yet. I haven't picked it yet, but I am marinating on it. I'm thinking about it. Everybody have a fantastic week. Okay. Goodbye. Bye.